Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promise to be with your people through your spirit and the word of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord Christ, that you would strengthen us all now with your word and give us ears to hear what you want to say for your glory and honor. Amen. You can be seated. If you are uh, like like me, this has been, uh, in addition to um, just the normal busyness of life, the, the, uh, the craziness of, of our world and trying to, trying to process what has happened in, in Israel has meant uh, some grief and anxiety for you uh, this week. Um, and maybe you've had some hard, a hard time thinking about much else. At least that's been the case for me. By myself thinking about what happened and what's going to happen and checking the news uh, probably more than I should. But it's been said that these uh, terrorist attacks are the worst thing that has happened to Jewish people since the Holocaust. And that more, pe- more Jewish people died um, on October 7th. Um, well, October 7th saw the most Jewish deaths since 1944. And it's been said that this is Israel's 9-11, and that given the portion of the, given the population and the proportion of people who, who died, it would be like if on 9-11 almost 40,000 Americans died. Um, and so... We've uh, heard awful stories and uh, seen awful images and, uh, again, wrestling with the fear of what might happen next has been part of our experience, the concern for innocent life on both sides of this conflict, uh, I think, has been part of many of our conversations and thinking this week. And so as, as I thought about this, and it's been one of these works, uh, weeks where I've started one direction on the sermon and, and gone another direction, and the more I think about it and reflect on these texts, I mean, it's been very convoluted for me. So, I'm just trying to simplify things this morning. Uh, as I think about these readings and ask the question, what is God's word for us in this? And two simple words um, kind of emerged, peace and justice. Peace and justice. You can see that in these readings for this Sunday. I, I just want to remind you of these things. These are simple things. Sometimes we need to hear the simple things. Remind ourselves of the simple promises of God. Simple but not simplistic in any way. So, first of all, this idea of peace. This idea that, that God is the one in the midst of our anxiety who can give us this peace. That comes from... Philippians chapter 4. We have to remember who Paul was. Paul was a prisoner. He's writing this from prison. Paul lived in an age of brutality and terror. Paul bore on his back the scars of that. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was scourged. So, if you would have seen Paul in his back and his torso, you'd have you'd have understood this is a man who knows brutality. Um, The Roman era was an era of terror. The Roman Empire ruled through terror. 
and brutality. Just think of crucifixion. That was their, their tool of terror, their great tool, their hammer to keep things in order. They ruled by terror. So that was the age that Paul lived in, and he experienced himself this suffering that comes from brutality and terror. Again, he's writing these words from prison. And he's the one who's saying, be anxious for nothing. The Lord is at hand. In other words, the Lord is present to us. That's one way of interpreting that. And you can also interpret it this way. And I think this is, the, this is what Paul's really leaning into. Not only is the Lord at hand, Christ is here to strengthen me. But also, the Lord could come at any time. The Lord is sovereign over history. Therefore, be anxious for nothing. And that word anxiety, uh, the, the Greek word here, uh, comes from a, the root word which means to divide or to cut up. To divide or cut up. It's a sense of not being whole. And so when we're anxious and when we're stressed, we say things like, uh, I, I feel like I'm coming apart at the seams. Or, uh, you know, she's, she's just falling to pieces. The center is not holding for me or for her or for him. Uh, I, I don't feel like I have a center and nothing is holding me together. But Paul says that the antidote to that, feeling like we're coming apart and that we have no center and nothing is holding us together, is prayer. Be anxious for uh, nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication. So the antidote for anxiety about anything Paul has discovered is to pray about everything you're anxious about. Because prayer connects us to the center again. Prayer reminds us of who is our center, Christ. Christ strengthens me. Prayer reminds us who is holding our life together, even now. And that is God, the, the giver of life. And so, be anxious for, no, uh, for, for, for nothing, but in everything, pray. Prayer puts us back in touch with God. By everything, by prayer, uh, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Supplication is not a word we use. When's the last time you've heard that being used? Supplication. But it's the image of... Uh, of a servant humbly kneeling before a king, somebody much greater than they are who has the resources to do what they can't do, humbly coming before the king to ask for a favor. That's a supplicant. The servant is a supplicant. Or maybe even better, more New Testament, more biblical maybe, is the idea of a son coming to a good father asking. Like my little guy Sam, you know, when he was... A toddler, his daily supplication, he had a daily supplication for me. And it was, Daddy, would you get me milk at breakfast time? I'm like, <laughs> and then I started training him. You have to say, please. But that was his daily supplication. Because he was too tiny to, to go to the refrigerator himself and open up the door and get that big gallon of milk. He just spilled it all over himself. So until he learned to discover how to scoot the chair... And open up the refrigerator and help himself. That was his daily supplicant. He was a supplicant. Looking to a father who could give him something he couldn't get himself. And, and that is what Paul is 
telling Christians to do. That's how we're to come to God. That's how Jesus taught us to come to God with our anxieties. Our Father in heaven, give me. Give me daily bread. Give me something that I, I can't get for myself, something that I need. So Paul is saying, take your anxieties and turn them into supplications. Lord, I'm not strong enough to face this illness. Lord, I don't have the wisdom to raise my child. I need wisdom for raising this child. Lord, I'm not sure if we're going to have enough money in retirement or to pay this bill. I need you, God. Lord, I'm afraid of what's happening in the Middle East. I'm afraid of what's happened in Israel and happening in Palestine and where this could go. So my supplication is peace. Peace for myself, peace for those in this conflict. Whatever it is, Paul says, this is, this is the secret of getting in touch with the strength of Christ. Supplication, praying about your anxieties. The, the Christian counselor, writer, Ed Welch, uh, in his book on overcoming fear, says the first step to this, the first step to overcoming our fears is to look them in the face. Not suppress them, not to pretend that they don't exist, but to look them in the face, to locate them. And that's why, and then he says, the reason is, if you cannot see your anxieties, your worries, then the word of God's comfort cannot address those things in a deep way. We we need to name these things and list them and bring them before the Lord. And then he says, and with thanksgiving, because recalling God's past mercies, past blessings, helps us to trust his present mercy, his future grace in our life. With thanksgiving. And and then here's the result of that kind of prayer life that Paul is talking about. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. Now, All understanding, you could translate that or think about it in in two different ways. And maybe you can put these things together. But one way of thinking about it is uh, when he says it passes all understanding is that it's, it's beyond reason why a person in this set of circumstance, like Paul, a prisoner, would have peace and joy. It's supernatural, in other words. And that's one way of understanding it. I think that's an appropriate way of understanding it. Another way to understand this, and again, it might be related, is that the the, the peace that I have in the circumstance is better than understanding the circumstance. It's greater than just knowing what's going on. It's like if you're in the hospital and you're facing heart surgery and that night you're lying in your hospital bed, it's it's a good thing to know what's going to happen, to know the reasons for the surgery. That can be a a source of comfort to understand it rationally, but even greater is to have the peace of God as you are going through that. It's it's better than, it surpasses a rational understanding of it. And so that's what Paul is saying. When, When we come to God like this in prayer, the peace of God will act like a sentinel over our minds and our hearts, the center of our life, our minds and our hearts. 
act like a guard. Maybe he's thinking of a guard as he's writing in prison and he's looking at a guard out there. <laughs> That's how God's peace is in my life right now. I have reasons to worry and anxieties and fears, but because of prayer in Christ's name, I'm in touch with something. And God is protecting this peace, this core of my life. He's holding me together in this. So I just want to encourage you to turn your anxieties into supplications. And the peace of God will guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a a pastor, a German theologian who left Germany during the Nazi period. And then once he found out what was happening... Uh, He came back to Germany and he started an underground movement, an underground church. And he was willing to be persecuted for this. And he was part of the resistance of, of Hitler. And he was captured and he was imprisoned at the end of the war. And the people who were with him in the prison, some of those who survived it, wrote about Bonhoeffer's presence there and said that, you know, he had this serenity about him, this calmness about him. And that was a comfort to them. He had this core. He had developed this life of meditation on the word of God and prayer and communion with Christ. And so they said he he had this comforting, assuring presence about him. And then at the very end of his life, he was hung. But as he was as he was going to his death, the one of the people writing about him who witnessed this said, I never saw anybody face death with such serenity because Bonhoeffer knew that there was this core that they couldn't touch Christ in him and God was the one that was holding his life in his hands and he went to God in that trust that's what I'm talking about here the peace of God which passes all understanding the strength of Christ in these circumstances now this can be a struggle this is certainly is oftentimes a struggle. It doesn't, it's not like we pray and this blanket of peace automatically comes over us. That doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's drips. Sometimes it's fits and starts. And, and sometimes it's a struggle to pray and to lay hold of this peace. I want to remind you that uh, our Lord Jesus, before his crucifixion, struggled with agony, in agony over what he was facing. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed three times, three times, before he was finally able to arise and face the cross with serenity, entrusting it to the will of God. So, the peace comes through prayer. And and I just want us to remember that and to pursue that and not give up on that. But there's something else I said. There's another word that comes to mind in this, and that is justice. We are praying for peace, and we ought to pray for justice as well in the days ahead. Romans 13, Paul says that God has ordained governments to enact justice. In fact, let me read you what Paul says in Romans 13.5. I think this is relevant. That God has ordained governments, listen to how he puts it, to bear the sword, to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And and that the government, in acting this way, is acting as a servant of God when the government justly bears the sword to punish evildoers. And, And we have seen so much evil being done 
and again, heard stories and seen images of that. So we, we pray for justice, and, and we pray that it comes in such a way that the suffering of the innocent is minimal. Uh, but the truth is, is that we know that human justice is a blunt instrument. It's not perfect. The people who um, are pursuing this justice are imperfect. And what's the, uh, what's the line? You, you can't get a straight arrow from crooked timber. Uh, the, the people who are carrying out justice are not perfect people. And the instruments of justice are not perfect. They're blunt. And so what we long for is perfect justice. Reading some things about this, people who are experiencing it, uh, has been something I've done this week. A Palestinian Christian living in, in Bethlehem, about 2% of Palestinians in this region are Christians. That's a part of the perspective we don't often hear. We used to have a fellow in this church who was from Nazareth, a Palestinian Christian. But this Palestinian Christian living near Bethlehem, uh, she said she was appalled at the atrocities committed by Hamas. And she said this, um, and this is kind of that, this is ex- expressing this longing for perfect justice. Lord, take all the evil, smash it as glass, grind it to nothing. In this we hold our hope that one day soon your ways will prevail. That's right. That's what we long for. Smash it to glass, like glass. Just shatter it, grind it up so it exists no more. But that day is coming when the Lord returns. And Jesus reminds us in our gospel reading that such a day is coming, uh, that those who continue to run from the light of Christ and continue to pursue darkness are going to find themselves after this light in an endless state of darkness, utter darkness a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. We, we pray for such people on that trajectory that they will turn from the darkness and embrace the light of Christ. But over and over and over again, Jesus warns in the Gospels that is the, the final path for those who continue to pursue the darkness and turn from Him. And so what, what we've seen this week, we've witnessed the complete disregard for innocent human life women and children and the elderly. And, and the uh, harsh truth is that some of the people who committed those heinous acts are, are probably going to get away with it in this life. And that's just the harsh truth of injustice throughout the world and in our own nation and in this city. If you talk to police officers, detectives, people who work in law enforcement, they can tell you stories about the brokenness of our justice system. And how many crimes go unsolved? How many murders go unsolved? And so, so many people will not face justice in this life. But, but Jesus here in his teaching on hell, and I know the doctrine of hell raises a lot of questions. How to put the love of God and the justice of God together. It's, it's, a, it's an issue. It's something we can talk about. But one thing it does answer is the problem of ultimate justice. It tells us that in the end, evil is not going to triumph. So, evil is not going to have the last word. In fact, the last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, and that last chapter of the Bible is the Apostle John has been given this revelation of uh, the city of God, the holy city, 
he says, outside of this city, this is Revelation 22, 15, outside are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, whoever loves and practice a lie. There's a city of God coming of perfect peace. And that is going to be sealed off from people who have turned away from Christ in his way and pursued darkness without any penitence or repentance at all. And so that, that's the ultimate justice that's coming, friends. Uh, an American Jew, I, another person I read, this was an American Jew who was, uh, this Jewish lady who was talking about her concern for the suffering of all people involved in this. But she said, as a Jewish woman hearing about the suffering that has happened to her people, she said, I, I needed to, to know and to understand something of my people's suffering. I needed to feel that and see that. Otherwise, she said, history is just an endless repetition, a repetition of these things. And that tragedy seems too much to bear. Too much to bear. That history is just going to endlessly go on this loop of violence and vengeance and suffering. And the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, is that because Christ died and Christ is risen and Christ will come again, it's not going to be an endless loop. It's not just going to go on and on forever. There's a day coming, a day of perfect justice. When he returns. And, and so that, that's our hope. And in the meantime, what do we do? We pray for inward peace and we work for peace. We become beacons of peace. We become peacemakers in our circles. And so I thought it would be appropriate to end with the prayer of St. Francis. This is in our prayer book um, under the section of personal devotions. And I just want to quote what St. Francis said, not the whole prayer, you know it, but it's a prayer for us today. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is error, truth. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Let's pray for that. Lord, I do ask for that for all of us this week. Uh, as we continue, we'll continue to hear hard things. Um, make us instruments of peace. Remind us of the hope. Help us, draw us to prayer. Put us back together. Help us to understand, Christ, you're at the center of our lives if we belong to you. And I pray that uh, through our, our personal anxieties, the everyday anxieties, we would find what Paul found. Christ gives me strength. Remind us of that. Thank you that you have done that in our lives. You're doing that now and you'll continue to do that. Draw us deeper into it, Lord, I pray, through prayer. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen.